0: go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash audioboom
1: hello and welcome to the gridiron show delighted to say that joining me for the show this week i have featured editor for gridiron magazine simon clancy simon how are you sir Greetings, Will. Very good. And the returning hero. And if you're watching the video version, in his stunning
2: Stanford Cardinals hat is Oli Hunter. Oli, how are you doing, sir? I'm groovy. It's my shout-out to Christian McCaffrey, who I drafted in a fantasy league. He's played twice, I think. He's set to miss the Green Bay game this Saturday. It's my homage to run CMC. I love you. I miss you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Ollie's favourite player who doesn't play for the Green Bay Packers. There you go. There's a <laughs>
1: fact for you. <laughs> I do have it, yeah A Proper, proper man crush um, Coming up on the show today So we're going to take a bit of a break from the usual format Because we've got uh, Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick joining us as always Plus we're going to be joined by centre for the Atlanta Falcons Formerly of the Cleveland Browns, Alex Mack Ollie did that interview yesterday And I've watched the first few minutes of it I've got to get through it and edit it and, and listen to it in full But it seemed in pretty good form He seemed like he was... Uh, Getting towards knowing he
2: was getting towards the end of his career and and getting a bit divergent and doing some new things, and he seemed like he was good fun. He was really good fun, actually, really good talker. I had some of the stock answers towards the end of the interview when you're asking are things like, "Who's the best players you come up against in your 12 year career? Who's uh, who do you fancy for the Super Bowl?" But he was really, really good on Super Bowl hangover stuff and the losing of leads in in games and losing by. Close margins so far this season. He's great on Raheem Morris and really good on Dan Quinn as well. So it's, um, I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, he was on really good form too.
3: This, have we had him on the podcast before? No, no, this is the first time I've spoken to him. Oh, so it's not the return of the Mac. <laughs>
1: So pleased with himself. Absolutely. <laughs> so
2: pleased with himself. Christ. That was, that was great. When oh, we get him on in the
1: off-season, normally he's the kind of guy who would come and join us on Radio Row as well. Another sad thing about not going to uh, Tampa Bay this year. I I never thought I'd be devastated to not be going to Tampa Bay, but there we go. Is that Yeah, we're not going to be doing all that Radio Row stuff this year, but we are going to have some really cool stuff. Arranged lots of Zoom interviews and bits and pieces, so there'll still be loads of great content going out at Gridiron on Twitter and at UK Gridiron as well. So we're just going to touch on some of the big news stories coming out of Week 14 and some of the big games. Looking forward to Week 15 around those two interviews. Um, And I wanted to start off with... The announcement yesterday and the kind of conversation from Doug Peterson about the Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz situation confirmed that Jalen Hurts will continue to be the starter. But when asked about it, kind of put down Jalen Hurts' performance in beating the number one defence in the NFL over the past six weeks in the New Orleans Saints, suggested that a lot of the production came on scrambles rather than designed runs. So, you know, that's not something that can continue to be replicated. And there was also, on a, as a kind of tangent to that, to get your thoughts on, an uh, interesting report coming out of the New England Patriots, a uh, beat writer who... Um, I'm going to forget his name and look it up in a minute, but uh, reporting that apparently they got two of the three guys that they wanted at the top end of the draft. And the context clues of the whole conversation suggest that that third guy was Jalen Hurts, and they had every intention of drafting him just behind where the Eagles did. So... A couple of interesting points there. Uh, I'll come to you first, Simon. How do you think Hertz did on Sunday? And how do they handle this situation going forward?
3: They've handled it really badly up to this point. I mean, we've discussed on the podcast about the fact that at what point do the Eagles make a change that you've literally got nothing to lose at the point that they, you know, continue to pedal on disastrously with Carson Wentz. I thought Hertz played really well, played really good complementary football. Obviously, it, it helps if Miles Sanders is rushing for 100 plus yards. But he did what he had to do to win. He looked incredibly poised. He was tough in the pocket, ran for 100 yards himself, 167 yards through the air, threw a great touchdown to Olshon Jeffrey. Yeah, it must be difficult for Doug Peterson, knowing that the Carson Wentz story, the fact that the high draft pick, all the money invested in him, and the issues with the fact that, you know, he was playing at an MVP level before that knee injury in the Rose Bowl and therefore missed the Super Bowl run, etc., etc. But it's a business. You're there to win games. You're there to save your career. And Doug Peterson is is acting as if almost like he doesn't want to save his career when the NFC East and a playoff berth is up for grabs. And realistically, let's be honest, Doug Peterson gets into the playoffs as the the winner of the NFC East, he's probably going to retain his job for at least another year. If they don't get into the to playoffs, then I suspect he probably gets fired. So I think you've got to back Jalen Hurts now for the, the remaining three weeks of the season and see what he's got. And, and the ludicrous statement about him making yards when he's breaking contain and, and not on design runs is... I just don't understand it. You know, he, he's, he's moving the ball down the field whichever way you can. Did John uh, Harbour go into the locker room after the Browns-Ravens game and say, oh, well, Lamar was pretty bad because he only made yards on, on runs where he broke contain and, and, and took off on his own? That, that's not how the game works, Doug. I mean, come on, Doug.
1: Just, just disappointed it's... about the lack of balance in that Browns-Ravens game because it was nine rushing touchdowns for the yeah. first
2: time since, what, like 1922 or something? <laughs> like, yeah, Ollie, ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and it shows how Doug Peterson is this... You could say he's becoming out of touch and he's not moving with the times because you look at the two quarterbacks in that game. Taysom Hill... All right, Taysom Hill didn't do the running that we expected that he would do. He only rushed five times for 33 yards. But this rushing, this scrambling, which was once unusual, now it's becoming more of the norm. So Peterson needs to get with the times. And if I was the Eagles... And I'm looking at winning the NFC East. And for the good of Carson Wentz, just bench Carson Wentz, I don't think it's the right thing for the team or for the player.
3: After Jalen Hurts and thought that he was anything other than the quarterback he was at Alabama and at Oklahoma. And you're trying to turn him into some sort of drop back pocket passer. That's not what he is. And you're removing all the things that made him a second round pick. It's just ludicrous to think that you're going to, take somebody who does what he does with his tools and turn him into something that he's not. I mean, that's how you get yourself fired.
1: And I think there's an interesting conversation about what you know, what they do with Carson Wentz, because I don't know if anyone, having seen what he's done this season, is going to come and offer the kind of draft capital that they'd look for for him. And whilst having a rookie quarterback on the rookie quarterback wage scale helps you hugely in terms of rebuilding the team elsewhere, there may be a case where they've got to accept that if Jalen Hurts continues to be the starter beyond this year... That you are spending thirty-six million dollars on the quarterback room. It just so happens that, in a Dak Prescott, Tony Romo kind of way, much, much more of that money is going to the backup than the starter. Like you just might have to write that off for now because you can't get out of that contract anytime soon.
3: Hurt. The issue for Jalen Hurts moving forwards is that you know he isn't your archetypal passing quarterback. He is not blessed with a massive arm and he's not blessed with massive accuracy and once teams get more film on him you know will he become easier to contain are you looking at Jalen Hurts you know for teams that can keep him consistently in the pocket to make tight window throws to win games which is something that Carson Wentz can do if he's rebuilt but the question then on Wentz is can he be rebuilt I suspect he can be rebuilt but probably in Indianapolis with Frank Reich it's
1: just whether or not they'll take not two first-round picks or whatever you exactly. normally look for for a quarterback paid that kind of contract and and with yeah, an MVP level season on his uh, on his ledger as well. Defeat for the Saints means they slip out of the one seed in the NFC and replaced by Ollie Hunter's Green Bay Packers. And let's really be honest, Simon Clancy's NFC team, the Green Bay Packers, because of his love for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Do we have to a little bit, Ollie? After last season, there was a lot of conversation, and, and maybe this bore out in the playoffs. That Green Bay were a little bit of a mirage last year. Do we need to be putting some respect on Matt Lafleur's name now? Twenty-three and six as a head coach, number one seed this season.
2: Defense appears to take it a big step up. Like maybe we need to give him some respect. I think the defense is still a mirage. <laughs> they're, they're still letting teams come come back into games. We're now seeing Green Bay once they've allowed the teams to to come back a little bit, a bit like the Lions, then pull away again. We had it last week as well in the, in the victory last week. But the way the offense is playing, and Aaron Rodgers, and to use the, an American term, he's dealing, and he is massively dealing. He, he's in full control of his powers, which is it, uh, to watch a quarterback understand his role, understand what he brings to the team, and utilize every single aspect of his talent to do everything on that offense is incredible to watch. And Green Bay, that offense it ranks either one or two in nearly all of the um, the offensive categories and, and stats. It's great to see. It's almost like everything
1: we said about Mike McCarthy losing control and not knowing what to do with Aaron Rodgers was, was true, Simon Clancy.
3: Yeah, it's taken a while. Yeah. I, I think the trust had to build up on both sides, actually. I, I think the offense that Matt LaFleur is running is one of the best in the league. Those jet sweeps really help Aaron Rodgers at the line of scrimmage every team is flawed really even the Chiefs have got some flaws who is the strength of the NFC you know I think Green Bay if they get home field advantage which you know it looks like they will do now I think are going to be in a really strong position but then I wouldn't necessarily fancy them for example against Tampa Bay who are a team that you know on any given day could end up getting to the Super Bowl but what Green Bay do have is a great offensive line you know you look at somebody like Elton Jenkins one of the most unheralded players in the league but also one of the best players in the league they've got to keep Alan Lazard healthy, they've got to keep Robert Tonyan healthy, they've got to keep Aaron Jones healthy. But I think Green Bay, if we were sitting here in two months time, and we're talking or six weeks time, and we're talking about a Green Bay, Kansas City Super Bowl, I would not be in any way, shape or form surprised. The defense does worry me, it does scare me a lot. And I think, you know, opposite Jair Alexander, they're desperate for a corner because it's not Kevin King. You know, it's not Josh Jackson, they're really struggling at that. Kenny Clark getting back to health is really important Christian Kirksey's been a bit of a disappointment you know they have linebackers that can't cover so you know they are vulnerable Mike Pettin is you know one of the most disliked men in the uh, in the Great Lakes area but um, you know Green Bay on any given day I-, I could see them making the Super Bowl but then I could also see them being bumped out in the first round <laughs> it's just one of those seasons.
2: And you're right, Simon, there is the inconsistency on that defence. And I think losing Blake Martinez went to the Giants and he's been yeah. an absolute stalwart for them, was a massive loss because he was, he's, he's the tackle leader across the NFL and he covers ground unheraldly uh, mm. Luke Kuechly-esque. Uh, he's not as good as Luke Kuechly, but he does cover ground like that. And Green Bay massively missed them. And it's a really interesting point about keeping players healthy. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have been used as a, a dovetail. And I think that's kind of to do with looking further on into the playoffs and, and trying to manage the workload of, of those specific skill players. Even with Alan Lazard, Valdez Scantling has been used more uh, over recent weeks. Lazard just coming back from an injury. So I think Lefleur and, and his team are, are managing Aaron Rodgers' weapons really well. And hopefully, from a Green Bay point of view, That will all come together and peak during the playoffs.
3: If you can unleash a healthy Aaron Jones in the cold weather of Green Bay in the playoffs, in terms of just controlling the ball, just running it down people's throats, down after down, I think that could be a real, you know, and, and keeping opposing offenses off the field, knowing how weak your defence is, comparatively speaking. I think that could be a huge boon for the Packers.
1: We get to watch them on primetime the next two weeks as well. They're Saturday night football this weekend against the Panthers. And then week 16, really, the, the difficult game left on their slate, although the fact that it's at Lambeau against the Tennessee Titans is uh, very much in their favour, although Derek Henry in that environment, that's a game, Derek that's Henry a game.
3: 300 yards in that game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And then the Bears week 17 who have collapsed and it's been a real joy. (laughs) So uh, Packers are one we're tracking. The last thing I wanted to talk about before we do get to Alex Mack and to Brian Billick, and I'm sure we'll talk to Coach Billick about this, but the situation in the AFC North. Now we all had lots of fun on Monday night and Tuesday morning with our various going for two jokes and all of that stuff going on. But in all seriousness, a brilliant game of football, the highest scoring game this season, a uh, Scorigami as well, which is always a joy. Uh, I think the third highest Monday night football scoring game. I think Cleveland showed a lot offensively in that game. And more than anything, Kevin Stefanski really showed game planning and picking on the right players in the secondary when, when Baltimore had some issues. And that I, that I thought was good to see. But Lamar comes back in. He leads the charge. He leads the comeback. And the Ravens suddenly look back to being a viable playoff team again from a couple of weeks ago where it looked like they were slipping out of it, Simon.
3: Yeah, I was writing down different words for going to the toilet because I was (laughs) going to try to get in as many as I there, could. There is a fantastic
1: piece, the, the Ringer report on yeah. the match from this weekend, which already is funny, but the Ringer match report from this weekend, the writer has done exactly that. You know, it's every reference is flushing the season down the toilet and, yeah. you know, explosive this and you know, and it's genuinely really funny.
3: I've got plop dump log crap turned hound cable <laughs> you And then I was thinking, how am I going to get hound cable into a... Uh... <laughs> The game. I don't know if anybody saw Annie Agar's uh, amazing uh, sort of Zoom calls that she does every week. She absolutely excelled herself this week with the number two jokes. Anyway, um, I mean, for me as a Dolphins fan, it was absolutely heartbreaking because it pretty much eliminates the Dolphins from playoff contention, given that... um, You won game out! Well, yeah, we are, but we've we've essentially got a win. Oh, we're still in. We're one game in. They say we're half a game in. But um, we've got to play the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills with a combined record of 23-16, and 16, and we pretty much have to win out. Baltimore have got to play the Jets, the Jaguars, or the Giants with a combined <laughs> record of 16-33. Oh, so gosh. I suspect the Dolphins' playoff hopes uh, went down the toilet with that. He, <laughs> there you go, he's... that was the unintentional. Went down the toilet with that Justin Tucker, uh, Here it that is. Justin Tucker field goal. So, Here
1: yeah. It's happening.
3: Baltimore will lose to the
1: New York Giants in week 17, and you will win out because you'll beat the Patriots with your weird AFC Eastness. The Raiders have fallen off a cliff. I'm not buying into them at all. They've done the same thing they've done last season and just looked good for 12 weeks. You've just got to beat the Bills, who by that point will already be AFC East champions and be resting players, knowing they're not getting the one seed, so they won't be getting a bye week. It's all going to come together, Simon, I believe.
3: Yeah. Anyway, on the game that we were talking (laughs) about... That offense is utterly unsustainable. You know, the fact that he'd thrown two passes before the final drive of the first half was incredible because the, the over-reliance on his ability to run the ball. Their, their lack of talent at receiver is, is astonishing. You know, Hollywood Brown, we've talked about, the three, I know he had the big touchdown, but, you know, when you're looking at him on third down, he's dropping the ball. Your Willie Sneed he's really, really average. You are Boykin, the kid from Notre Dame, is really average as well. You know, Mark Andrews was just bailing them out time and time and time again. Um, and then for Cleveland, I, I wasn't a fan of you know Kevin Stefanski's game plan on offense. I just thought you know you've got Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb should be carrying the ball twenty-five plus times. Kareem Hunt fifteen plus times. And it Just every down it seemed like Baker was dropping back to throw, especially without Odell Beckham. You know you're really having to overemphasize Jarvis Landry and stuff. And I um, didn't understand the game plan, but it was a hell of a game. It was you know really fun to watch. But as a as somebody with a pretty massive vested interest in Baltimore losing, it was pretty much a kick in the pants. I uh, I woke Mom. up to I
1: think. Oh, maybe Messages from Ollie in three separate NFL slash fantasy related groups just
2: going, ah, what a game? Because ah! he stayed up for the whole thing. It was an incredible game. And the drama personified after Trace McSorley goes down, the very next play, the very next play he. They, they cut. Then on a bit of play action, amazing from I think Hollywood Brown. Let's lose the moniker Hollywood because he's no longer Hollywood. He's rubbish. So Marquis Brown, he. he uh, through an accidental pick by two defensive players on themselves manages to find himself open and I screamed I'm, I must have woken up half the people in my building it was an amazing game it reminded me of the game I don't know if people know this they probably have never heard this before but Will Gavin and I went to the 54-51 Chiefs Rams game and it was it reminded me of that game uh, yeah brand new information right simon It, it was just oh. it was ludicrous
1: If people have heard the story a lot of times, but we were in l a on the gridiron tour that year. There had been some conversation about flying to Mexico for that game, but it wasn't going to happen, so we we had planned to watch it in the airport before flying back on the overnight flight out of l a x and then they announced the game was being cancelled in Mexico, so we changed our flights couldn't get press accreditations because apparently so many people traveled. Up from Mexico for the game. So, bought tickets. The whole thing cost us like an extra £700 or something to change our flight, to book hotels, to do the whole thing. And it was worth every penny. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was the
3: best. Can we just get the listeners and the viewers to um, come up with a new name for Hollywood Brown? As in, you know, I mean, can we just think of a sh- like Rochdale Brown or Milton Keynes, <laughs> like a really shit town? I feel like
1: there is a way to combine the two conversations. The toilet puns combined with a new thing for Hollywood. Dropper Brown. He did have three horrendous drops prior to that touchdown. And so it just... Yeah, it's when those things show up is is ridiculous. And I I did double-check that stat. It was indeed only the third game in NFL history where there were nine combined rushing touchdowns and both of the other ones happened in
2: 1922. So...
3: Matt Sherry was four, I think, at that point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And he still looks like a big baby now. Good. Hardest playground ever.
1: Steelers lose back-to-back games going down to the Bills as part of this AFC North chat. And I think at 11-0, and it's become the new fad to say this is the worst X and O team ever. This is the best... Four and five team I've ever seen. I think it's very much the matte sherification of modern sports media that hi- there has to be hyperbole applied liberally to absolutely everything. But the Steelers are kind of showing out what people were saying when they went 11 0 is that are they actually any good? Because they didn't look great on Sunday night.
3: No, they didn't. And it's such an insight. It feels like they've peaked way too soon. Critical injury to Bud Dupree, but the offense is just, you know, you talk about Baltimore's offense being unsustainable. So is the Steelers offense. You know, they're averaging 53 yards a game on the ground, which, you know, you're not going to win in January doing that. I don't know how many times Ben threw the ball against Buffalo, but certainly the two previous weeks, he put out 51 times in both games. That's not sustainable for a guy at his age coming off the, the elbow injury. And the receiving core is just, Falling apart in front of our eyes. Chase Claypool barely used at the moment. Deontay Johnson leads the league in drop. I'm talking about Hollywood Brown, but Deontay Johnson's having an absolute nightmare. So it's a real big issue for the Steelers who just look worn out. They look tired. Three games in 11 days is not easy for anybody. The, uh, and I think it showed against the Bills. The flip side of that is the Buffalo look a really good side. The defense is, I, I don't think the defense has played particularly well this year. But if they can just get some consistency, you know, from Josh Allen, as he, you know, he played very well on Monday. And any sort of consistency in the running game, I think Buffalo at Kansas City will be the AFC Championship game. Uh, I really can't see any other scenario. But yeah, the Steelers have just found the wrong time to fall off the wagon. And it feels like they're just going to back their way into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, On that talk of the balance again this weekend, 37 passing attempts for uh, for Ben Roethlisberger, only 17 rushing attempts in the whole game. It's just... It's not you know, sustainable been... when Singletary
3: and Moss are really struggling to run the ball, but they've got to get some sort of effective run game. Because, you know, again, against Kansas City, if you're going to Arrowhead, you've got to be able to control that. That's why Tennessee is so important, you know, and why Tennessee could could be the dark horse of the, the AFC playoffs, because they can control the clock because they've got the beast. And Derek Henry who can do that. I think that you cannot go as the Buffalo Bills to Kansas City and hope to to just out duel Patrick Mahomes because that's just not gonna work. And and if they can't get a run game going, then I I just think it's uh it's unlikely they'll make it to a Super Bowl.
2: It it really only turned when Stefan Diggs came out of the second half. The run game's not going well for either team, really. The defense is looking knackered. So it was just Stefan Diggs in this Particular, a couple of dives just out of the second half that that was the difference. And when you're relying on one player here or the receiving core from the Bills, and then the receiving core from the from the Steelers not to drop balls, you're not looking at teams that are going to challenge the the Chiefs in or even the Titans. I think maybe the Titans give both these teams a run for their money. In playoff situations, as you said, Simon, with, with the Derrick Henry situation.
1: By the way, the only conversation about the Sealers, the worst 11-0 and team of all time. I did the research when they were 11-0. and uh, Of course el- you did. 11 teams all time have gone 11-0. and Of those, uh, nine went to the Super Bowl and two lost in the divisional round. Didn't even make the championship game. So... I think the Steelers more likely to enter that lower Mm. bracket. Those two, by the way, the 1969 Rams—I'm sure we all remember that well. Yeah, useless. And the 2011 Packers, of course, that ridiculous (laughs) season where you had the best offense that anyone had ever seen up to that point, and were 30th the the playoffs. Yeah, and were 32nd in yards allowed on defense, but had 31 interceptions. Absolutely ridiculous season. Uh, There were a couple of other bits of news, uh, but we have obviously run stupidly overly long. Uh, The NFL have announced no local bubbles for the playoffs. I mean, they managed to make it work until this point. I guess they're just going to plough forward with it, which is potentially bizarre and ridiculous with numbers going up but we'll keep an eye on it and nickelodeon are going to be broadcasting or simulcasting one of the afc playoff games i have already started on social media a petition to both sky and nfl uk to make sure that we have access to that version of the broadcast on game pass somebody pointed out to me that's gonna be 9:30 at night in the uk so your kids won't be able to watch it anyway i was like I just want to watch the Nickelodeon version of an NFL it's, broadcast, it's, which apparently the pre-show is being done by SpongeBob SquarePants.
3: It's such a shame that the Chiefs won't be playing in the wild card game because otherwise you could have that uh, you could have the SpongeBob character going, "Oh, Patrick!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> good, very good. Uh, right, let's get to our interviews. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick momentarily, but first, center for the Atlanta Falcons, Alex Matt.
2: Listen. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this for us. Um, did you catch the Browns game last night? I've,
1: uh, I did not watch it.
2: I
4: I was tired. I went to sleep. I, I saw the score just now. Forty-seven to forty-two. I think.
2: Yeah. It was. Um, it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It finishes here around. It finished here about quarter to five a.m. So I've had I've had not much sleep, but uh, it it was worth it because the game was outrageous so I don't know whether you heard um Lamar Jackson went off for cramps uh, I've done air quotes there for people that are just listening to the audio it looked like he needed a bathroom break has that ever happened to anyone on the field uh, whilst you've been on the field because it's, it, it was cramps crazy. or bathroom break uh, both well, oh, let's I go have. let's go bathroom break yeah
4: uh I don't know if I've ever seen anybody stop playing for a bathroom break but uh, I've definitely seen huddles around trash cans on the sideline, kind of
2: <laughs> let that happen quickly. Listen, if, if you've got to go, you've got to go. That's what we always thought the blue tent was for anyway. In preparation for this, obviously, uh, you know, I, I had a look at Alex Mack and, and, and all of that. And uh, apart from the, the literary character, I, I went onto your Instagram and, dude, you've got some cooking skills, cooking with Alex Mack. Um, I am loving and I will be 100% trying out some of those recipes. The beef Wellington looked incredible, and that the- was fun. Oh man, and it looks pretty dicey rolling it as well.
4: Uh, it was not as bad as I thought it was gonna be, I was pretty nervous about it, but that's what's really amazing about cooking for yourself. Like, I'm me and my wife, we cook, and it's just something we like doing. It's not like I'm not doing it for you know a big group of people, and just we just film whatever you happen to be cooking that day. And the beef Wellington was one of those things that like always sounded really tough. I've had it before; it's really tasty. I was like, well, let's try it out. And if it was absolute disaster, we'll be fine. We'll eat something else. Like we're not having a big dinner party. It was just us two people eating for Thanksgiving, and. If it works great, if it didn't like, oh, we'll just eat it anyways. And so like there's a, a fair amount of that happens. And I think that's the best advice that you can give anybody who wants to start cooking is just to go ahead have a crack at it, cook for yourself. If it's great, like you have a great meal. If it's terrible, like you can always just order it after.
2: What made you start doing it on, on Instagram? Why, I mean, it's people cook at home, but not everyone kind of gets a camera in front and, and do it. Why did you decide to do that?
4: it's something i like cooking i enjoy doing that so like doing something I, I care about and enjoy is definitely a way and it was just a great way to interact with fans great way to get people kind of involved and get push some more content so i can get my you know self out there a bit more and it's just a really fun way to do that it's easy to do i cook just about every day no eh, just about every day not every day but sometimes just too tired but uh, just try to get over there and do something I like and it's fun it's one of those really only the things I do in season you
2: know I'm I'm relaxing on the couch and you know working out at the facility or you know cooking does that mean you're going to be trying some Irish stew or some soda bread coming up next we'll definitely have a couple Irish things
4: down the road just I, I don't really know what is Irish and what's not I know uh the wife she's Irish and uh she does bangers and mash every once in a while, and it's one of my favorite meals she cooks. Really simple, really easy, but I like it. We did um, parsnips and carrot mash, which is something that sounds very popular in America that's really tasty. Like, I'm a big fan of that.
2: Parsnips, carrots, um, and gravy. You Americans don't use gravy enough. You have it at Thanksgiving, and that's pretty much it. Gravy in the UK and in Ireland, we love gravy more gravy let's have more gravy with uh cooking with alex mack please
4: okay i'll try to i'll add some (laughs) gravy to the next thing. sometimes i I have it and like i'll roast the chicken like yeah do i want to do it like yeah i don't know i'll make sure i I pull it off and make
2: the gravy listen um last week or a couple of weeks ago was um my cleats my cause Uh, i know that's a really big a thing for you and, and something that's very close to your heart, Stand Up for Kids. I saw the purple and salmon pink. I'm going to call it salmon pink because we've just been talking was... about, about food. But um, those cleats looked awesome. Uh, it's, a real, it's, a, it's a cause that's close to your heart, isn't it?
4: It was a very cool cause. I mean, uh, so Stand Up for Kids is a, like, youth advocacy, trying yeah. to get uh, end youth homelessness. So it's a really cool organization that tries to do intervention at an early age to try to you know, stop crime early on. So you take kids who are in a very precarious situation, try to wrap them around uh, mentorship programs to try to give them good guidance and leadership to get them to change their path of life. And you catch them early enough and they could really have a, a big effect. So Stanford Kids is a really cool organization. So I'm, I'm happy to team up with them and try to bring some awareness.
2: I suppose it, it's it's all about education as well, about getting people uh, more active, mind wise as well, and and getting them more active in their community. We saw, I suppose, with the with the most recent election, how important that was, especially in in Georgia and Atlanta in general.
4: Yeah, uh, again, there was a lot of upheaval in, this year, and a lot of people are hurting, and just thought it was a really good way of. Highlighting an organization that can really have a big effect on the path of life and something I saw as a way when all these people are upset, all these people are angry, they don't like what's going on in the world. This is this was an organization I saw that like, all right, if if I can support this, I can bring awareness to this It is something that I think will really make the world a better place. And stand Up for kids. I think really does that. I think they're really doing the work to make change
2: and make it better for you know people. It's a really great cause, man. So you know, props to you for for getting involved. It seems yeah, they bit- got purple and salmon pink cleats. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it seems a bit trite to talk about the football, but uh, you were wearing the purple and salmon cleats, which are which are awesome. Uh, too big for me. Um, but you know, if if I fancy it, for the season so far, I mean, four and four and nine, um, new head coach. It's been a bit of a struggle, or it was a struggle to start off with, wasn't it? Three defeats by less than than three points, five, six yeah. defeats by less than than seven points or eight points. So it's it's been a close but tough season.
4: Absolutely, I think mean, you say it very well that you know close. Football is just tough. NFL at this level, the games are just all so tight. We have, you know, we've we lost, you know, nine games. I could say that if seven plays went differently over the course of the year, we have seven more wins. You know, it's just that small of a game and that tight. And so you really have to be playing your best ball all the time, four quarters. And that's something our team hasn't done well enough. I mean, it's, it's what it is, and I think we have a really good team. We can absolutely play the best ball with anybody. It just has got to take four quarters one really tight
2: ball for it to work out. There was the the the, the Super Bowl that, um, that 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 big that big comeback from the from the Patriots, and we saw that happen against the the Cowboys and a couple of other times. And there's this stigma around the Falcons not having the the onions to see it out. What do you say to that? And also, a lot of people talk about the Super Bowl hangover. How real is that? I, I, I don't think there is one, but how real does has it come into? Do you see that in and around the facility at all or not?
4: Uh, I mean, no longer for us. I mean, that was a couple years ago. And so everyone's hungry and ready to fight. I think the the stigma thing, I think, is a little overblown because it's just such a different year with a different team. Like the number of guys that were with us five years ago versus now is is great. There's so many guys on the team that I don't think that is true. And I think the hangover is true for the team's that go there I think it's really tough and I think it's something you, you really got to focus on because your season is so long you're spending like an extra five weeks of playing football if you make it to the Super Bowl maybe more than that maybe six weeks it's just such a long season like the seasons are already tough enough and then you play this huge long uh, postseason and you have this little bitty break and then you're back to it. And if you're not, if you're not ready to put in the work. It is can be really exhausting because it just feels like all you're doing all the time is football. And you need that offseason. You need that chance to get away, to refresh, to to get back into things. And if you're playing in the in the Super Bowl, you don't have nearly the the, the downtime. So it's one of those things where you've got to be
2: aware that it's it's going to be a grind and it's going to be tough, and you've got to be ready for it. The defeat against the Chargers uh, at the weekend was... I, I mean, I was watching it. I was thinking, they're going to charge her. Bajji's going to miss that final kick. But sadly for you guys, he didn't. Matty Ryan, a guy I've met, actually. I, I, I love Matt. Uh, I, I i threw a, a barb at him at a Super Bowl. I think it was Super Bowl 50. Uh, he came to Radio Row, and uh, I called him... I called uh, the division the, the NFC disgrace because it, a lot of the teams were... were uh, negative records he didn't particularly like that but he seemed absolutely <laughs> yeah he seemed um, gutted with that that interception thrown on the the la- well your last possession which then allowed for the charges to come back uh, what was he like after that
4: uh pretty gutted you know he was pretty upset but it, it's a team game it's not one play. Like I, I did say earlier that if one play goes different, but it's a matter of the whole game is a matter of one little play here and there. And it's easy to point your finger at the quarterback or the last couple of plays, but earlier in the year, like earlier in that drive, we did a little bit better. You put yourself in a different position. If you do, uh, there's just all these little things that go into it. That It's so hard. It's a team game and everyone's got to step up and do every little small part to make make it that, that not happen you know you could point to a lot of things and it's just tough it's unfortunate quarterbacks take the first and most blood they get the most credit
2: and get the most blame That's unless you're todd play. Gurley and you you failed to fool <laughs> you failed to fool down poor todd i'm poor poor todd no, i do appreciate that. that was a that was a really tough one for him as well
4: yeah, I mean, those are those little things that you can do to help yourself win, and that would, would have made a big difference. Same hand, like the defense, all the, they need to get a stop. You know, you, you need to play a team game and have other position groups made up for the lack of other ones. So if, if you're not, you know, if defense is doing a great job, the offense – doesn't have to play as well. If the offense is doing incredible, the defense does. You know, you want to play comp- complementary football and have everything go on all cylinders. But, like, the other guys are getting paid a lot of money too. Like, the other team's good. Yeah. And so you need to really play together. Because it's a team game and everyone needs to work together. And you need to
2: get out a win. Both teams can't win. That's the whole point. Like, someone's got to lose. Um, Coach Morris, he's 4-4. Four four. He's interim at the moment what's what's been the biggest difference between what he's brought to the game and uh and to the team and and what coach Quinn was doing as well Ra's doing a
4: really good job I like him as a coach he's doing well he's bringing a lot of fire he's trying to be very cut and dry is this good enough is this not good enough putting the spotlight on it and trying to motivate us as best he can and I think it's going pretty well uh you know, you'd like to have more wins, uh, of course, but I think Raw is a really good leader. He's keeping us motivated, and it's tough. Like it's easy to see your record and have guys, you know, hang it all up. I don't see that happening anywhere. I think he's doing a really good job of keeping us focused, keeping us motivated, and you know, put us in a really good position. The big difference between him and DQ is kind of DQ was. Uh, it's hard because I, I like both of them. It's hard to really say, like, who's, who's good, who's bad. DQ was always a very positive coach who really talked about and tried to speak from a point of positivity, which I, I really like. And I think it's hard to do that sometimes because it's so easy to just coach and be told how terrible, look at all the bad things. I think it's really nice to be coached from the front and be like, these are the good things to do well. This is what you do well. Keep doing these things well.
2: I want to talk a bit about offensive line play. It's something that's pretty alien to me, given that I'm five foot five. am about ten stone. I don't know what that is in, in pounds, but that's a small guy. I'm about half your okay. half your size. So I would. You've been in the league twelve twelve years, right? Twelve. This is your 12 years. twelve years. Twelve years. So you've been in the league twelve years. Is it fundamentally the same as it was when you first started, like assignments, blocking, or has have there been many changes to to your role as the premier center over the last 10 years or so?
4: I think I've expanded a little bit. I mean, as a rookie, you just don't know very much. You, don't, you can't see the field very well, it's tough. And I think as the years have gone on, i have been able to see more of the field and take on more responsibilities. But that said, my first year, it, it threw me into the fire pretty aggressively about just, all right, like do the whole job and throw you in there and make you learn everything. And from that point on, I take a, a lot of pride in being prepared and knowing the, the fronts and seeing everything and trying to get right on, the, on the right page. I think that's a big part of the center's job is just communication and seeing the defense and making sure that the line calls are correct and everyone knows what they're doing. And it's, it's a job I take pretty seriously. Offensive line, it's pretty easy in,
2: in some regards. <laughs> you just get in the way of things. Yeah, get your hands out, push people back. Push people. And yeah, what do you do for the I push people. <laughs> Lots of pushing sideways, forwards, backwards. Um, <laughs> they, they, I, I know there's far more nuance than that. I do, I do. Um, it is. It's it one of the more out. technical positions
4: around. just yeah. Because the technique used to, to get in the way, it, it sounds easy, but you really have to be in a very unnatural position. If you, your, your feet are apart, you're trying to stay in front, you're, you're going lateral a lot, you have to use your hands a lot. I don't know the other positions nearly as well, but, you know, tell a running back to you know, run. Running's pretty natural. You know, you, you've got you to gotta know what to do and see the defense and hit the right holes, but the technique involved in running is, is pretty simple. That said, as a lineman, I have a lot of job security because it's not easy to quickly replace. It's not, and if I slow down, if I get old and slow, which, you know, it's happening every day. <laughs> You, you don't need to be that top end speed. You can lose your top end speed and still really compete and be a very good good player. You don't need to have blinding speed and still compete.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, Max Harrison said that he's that you're the best centre he's ever come up against. Uh, I don't know whether you knew that, um, but six pro, goals, <laughs> six, pro bowl, six pro Bowls. six pro Bowls. six pro balls. What are your thoughts on on potentially doing making a seventh and if it doesn't happen is it something that you'd like to, to do or, or to have a, a, an extra season in front of the fans. I don't know what your plans are for next season, but the fact that, that we aren't getting full houses would you would you like to carry on to to, to bow out in front of a full house a full stadium of, of NFL fans.
4: I'll have to take the, the, the question on to play another year. I've really got to take that after the season. I'm sure. in the moment right now. I'm preparing each game. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to be ready for Sunday for my team. I think after the year, I'll take a big evaluation. I'll, I'll see. I'll be a free agent. We'll see which teams, you know, need a center, which ones I want to go to. Uh, bit of rain chasing, possibly. And so there's, there's all those things to kind of think about at the, at the season's end. And then I think, In terms of Pro Bowl stuff, I think I've been playing really good ball. I think uh, each week I I would show up ready to work, and I I think I'm putting really good tape on the field, and I'm really proud of what I've done. To be able to keep doing that and do that for the team is uh, take a lot of pride in that. So I I work hard, I keep my body right, and
2: I'm chugging away at the Pro Bowl hope. And the stats are there. It's, uh, It's half a sack less for the entire offensive line this year than it was compared to last year, which I know was a tricky year for you guys. So, yeah, touch wood, touch wood for you that that's, um, that, that Pro Bowl nom comes in and uh, and you get there. Um, what about the, the rest of the season? The NFC South has is, is been a, a tricky division to, to, to get a foothold in, especially with your, um, your, your tough... Close defeats. How do you see it going? And um, who are your your favorites for the Super Bowl from the NFC?
4: NFC South is a tough division. Uh, We got two more conference matches coming up, and it's it's going to be tough. They're a good team, and we'll do everything we can to squeeze out the last couple wins. The Super Bowl, it's such up in the air. It's whoever plays hot in the playoffs. It's such a close game. I think it could really go in any direction. I'll pay attention to when it gets there. Right now I'm worried about my team and what <laughs> yeah. I can do. I haven't watched and make any predictions for the Super Bowl. But uh, we'll, see. we'll see how it plays out. I think that's why it's always so entertaining and what, what really is the draw of football. that so Any any play could be the difference
2: in, in the game. really makes it a exciting sport. So you've got you've you've come up against Taysom Hill, uh, which is a, an interesting, different kind of uh, of of quarterback. Um, the the team have got to prepare for and are preparing, I presume, right now for uh, for Tom Brady. Um, is he the best of all time? Do you think?
4: I think he's definitely has some stats to back that up. I think he's definitely put together some really good teams and been the centerpiece of a, a really good franchise and is, move into a, a, a new team and still put up good numbers. A lot more pundits have those grand gestures or titles to put on. But uh, I know he's a good quarterback. Uh, you have to be ready for him to be able to make plays and really put the ball where it needs to go. So you have to play your best ball against that team.
2: One last one. Uh, being on that offensive line, you come up against some formidable defensive players. Uh, let's leave your your teammates on, on on the Atlanta D out of this uh, conversation, uh, this question, but who's some of the hardest players that you've come up against um, this season and, and, and all time?
4: Each week it's hard to remember exactly <laughs> who you face because you know, the game's over, like, all right, let's move that next game, let's yeah. move on. I know uh, Aaron Donald is one of the best D tackles around, without a question, a really good all-around player very dangerous and quick. Uh, Linval Joseph from last week is one of the better, you know, run stopping nose tackles around. There's always a couple guys on every team that can really make or break a a game. And so you've got to focus on those guys and, you know, move
2: on to the next one. Well, Al, thank you very much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Everyone go out and follow Alex Mack on, on Instagram because the cooking stuff is awesome and uh and, and great work um great work for stand up for kids as well it's a really really uh good thing that you're doing
5: yeah
2: thank
4: you uh, thanks for having me a chance to talk about them and uh, appreciate you having me on your show
1: delighted to say joining the show uh, as is a weekly tradition now with our good friends x tech pads and if you are looking at taking part in participation in sport in the new year when we are able to get back and do that. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I've put on a bit during the, uh, the lockdown. I think we can all sympathise. American football is a great sport to take up. There's a lot of local club levels as well as university, college, all that kind of thing in this country who welcome walk-ons. And so you should be checking out X-Tech pads to make sure you're keeping your body as safe as possible. Uh, and we've got Coach Brian Billick with us. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. Did you enjoy, first and foremost, Monday night football, Browns-Ravens?
5: What, a, what an incredible game. Good for the sport, good for the league. Kudos to to Cleveland. I think they really raise their level of uh, expectation now in terms of what they'll do in the playoffs. But my gosh, you could not have scripted Lamar Jackson limping off the sideline after McSorley goes down and, and doing, uh, doing what he did. Just a spectacular game.
1: And it's those, I guess, those moments that elevate a player from being a very, very good player to something special.
5: Yeah, there's still the the question for Lamar Jackson. Can he do it in the big games? Can he do it in the playoffs? And until you do, you know, that question's going to be legitimate. Uh, But again, just what a spectacular performance. And it was interesting that last, the big play to to Marquise Brown, the 44-yarder for a touchdown. Cleveland had the right defense on they showed, they dropped it in, they brought six people with the idea of, okay, we're going to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket, make him make a throw in order to beat us. The problem is the end came crashing down. Lamar got to the outside. The minute he got to the outside, they were dead. Corners had to fall off and account for Lamar who had run for 130 yards already and left Marquise Brown wide open and, and obviously for the touchdown. So yeah, it was just a well played game and, and very dramatic and uh, people are still buzzing about it on, over here.
1: It must be difficult when you have a player like that in Marquis Brown's case, who's had not only drop issues on the night, but through this season and then has two or three particularly bad ones in this game to then say to yourself, right, he's the guy we're going to go deep to in that situation still and, and trust that he's still going to catch the ball.
5: Yeah, you do, and 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 he has even complained. I haven't been enough part of the game plan. And then when he does, he's had some drops. He really didn't have much of an impact in the game outside of that big play. Uh, they didn't generate a lot of big plays in the passing game. Andrews on the one one throw early in that uh, in the first half, but obviously, uh, yeah, you got to have faith in your players if you're going to put them on the field. And he was the guy that was open, so obviously, Lamar Jackson had to just. There was no question that that's where he was going to go with the ball. From a Ravens
1: perspective uh, on defense, it felt like once they got injuries at corner, you know, Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, players like that going in and out of the game. I thought Kevin Stefanski did a really good job of picking on those weaknesses. Is there any concern there that that's going to be something which other teams are now going to be able to look at and say, right, we know where the Ravens can be picked on?
5: Well, always if, if there are injuries, clearly. I mean, you in this league, it's always, you know, well, it's the next man up. Well, the next man up's is not as good. And, and uh, this game is all about matchups. And if I see one of your starters go down, you're going to go after that guy and, and see can he hold up against the players that I have. You saw it with, with the Pittsburgh game where they had four starters out on defense. And so obviously Buffalo was able to take advantage of that in the second half. So yeah, players matter. And, and uh, if indeed this becomes, is just like with the defensive line with the Ravens. When Brandon Williams or Clayus Campbell were out you could run on them. And when they're in, no, you can't run on them. And so that makes a difference. So if that's secondary, if those injuries continue, you better believe that the team's a good thing for the Ravens. And I really think they're in a great position for the playoffs. They're the only team of the playoff teams that has no playoff teams on their remaining schedule. Compare that to Pittsburgh who has Indianapolis and Cleveland in their last two games. Everybody else has a game. Indy has to play Pittsburgh. Tennessee has to play green Bay, Kansas city, and New Orleans. What a great game. That's going to be this weekend. So everybody has that, get that game. Not that they can't, you know, lose the other games. That's, this is the NFL that can happen on any week, but the Ravens who are currently out of the playoffs at the eighth seed, I think have the cleanest path to get into the playoffs.
1: Our features editor is a huge Dolphins fan. And he literally, uh, Tuesday morning, just posted going, well, that's us out of the playoffs. So like, what would you mean? And he's like, well, we've got the Patriots, the Raiders on the road, then the Bills on the road. And then he recited to us that Ravens schedule. Right. Yeah, that's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to they're gonna have to earn their way in. Yeah, most certainly. Um, I want to ask you about a couple of the other big stories from this weekend and actually uh, focus on the NFC East a little bit. We've talked a lot about quarterbacks who have obviously written – your book, The Q Factor, about the draft class of a couple of years ago. What have you made of the switch as it stands in Philadelphia, what we saw from Jalen Hurts this weekend, and, and that whole situation?
5: There's no question it energized them. There's no question that it was a positive. And who saw that coming, Philadelphia beating New Orleans? Does this create a kind con- of quarterback controversy? Yeah, per se. The problem is Carson Wentz has $35 million owed him next year. That's a heavy heavy number to try to get rid of. There's no question that Hurts energized the team. Now, is he the long-term answer? Can he do that? They're going to have to give themselves over to that process. That is a different offense that you've got to orchestrate with Jalen Hurst than you do with Carson Wentz. And Doug Peterson is going to have to make that decision. It'll be interesting to see whether he, Doug Peterson, and the organization still believe in Wentz, whether they try to trade him. If he stays, it's going to be a very uncomfortable situation because they insert Wentz. I mean, how do you say, okay, we're going to open it up to competition in the summer between these two players, and we'll run this offense with Carson Wentz and this offense with Jalen Hurst? You, you just can't do that. So it's, we're going to have to see how this rectifies itself.
1: There's been a lot of people been very quick to find a route out for Carson Wentz. Talking about Frank Reich in Indianapolis, who obviously is quarterback coach during that Super Bowl run, for example. When you have someone with that kind of contract and that kind of, not just the contract, but the investment from the picks and everything else, is your sense that Philadelphia will try and, and turn him around?
5: I think they'll try to trade him. The question is for what price, who's willing to pay it? Because Philadelphia, they know, okay, you're under a heck of a, a cap number here, you don't have a lot of latitude. So I don't know what they're going to get for Carson Wentz. And, but that's the big question. The, the team that takes and has to say, do we want to pay $35 million for this quarterback? Now, there's a lot of people who think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback and he just didn't what was going on around him kind of fell apart. There's a lot of teams that will be looking for a quarterback. And, but do they play pay that price? You know, good question. So this, this one's going to be interesting. My, guess is that he stays in Philadelphia that it's just too big a hill to climb that they believe in Carson Wentz and try to rehab it a little bit put better talent around him and and go forward that way but uh but that's but in in all the cities Philadelphia is a tough one where (laughs) you know we all know Philadelphia fans are so warm and forgiving and uh, easygoing and they're not going to be hard on you you know I'm obviously kidding uh, that's the most brutal sports town in America. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting transition. There's a lot of pressure on Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz if they go that route.
1: And then within their division, it feels like we do have a a leader emerging, although the Giants have looked good in recent weeks. Washington, four on the bounce. Yeah. It's funny, we talked about that about division being a two-horse race between the Eagles and the Cowboys going into the season. It's turned into exactly the opposite. What, what have you made of the job that, that Ron Rivera has done in Washington?
5: Well, you know, fabulous. This is, it's a bit of an oxymoron to call Washington the best of the NFC East. <laughs> I mean, you're still a sub-500 team. But they are the best because they're playing the best defense. Everybody's playing with different combinations of backup quarterbacks, basically. Uh, so, so there's no dominant quarterback play on any of the four teams. So you default to what what wins? It's it's defense, and clearly Washington has the best defense.
1: Uh, and then from a New York perspective, with a, a a new head coach coming in, a new situation there, it looked like it was going to be tough. And again, I think it's been defense that seems to turn them around.
5: Yeah, and they're waiting for uh, uh, Daniel Jones to continue to develop. I think New York gets a lot of credit for being you know for doing what they've done. They can feel good about the progress they're making. You always want to be that team that's finishing the year strong. Uh, they're not a playoff caliber team yet, uh, but that doesn't mean they can't get there. And and you can see they're beginning to buy into to Joe Judge and what he's doing.
1: There was an interesting article last week, in fact. Um, I think it was Mike Sando who put forward that there's an argument that the team that finished second in the NFC East, who are going to end up with a top eight pick in the draft versus the team that finished first, and then pick in the 20s somewhere because they're in the playoffs, that almost they've got a better position going forward.
5: Yeah. It's, uh, uh, there are some that say the draft should be based on playoff ranking. Of course, now you've got the AFC and the NFC, that would be hard. Um, I've always said, uh, not to change topics here, but the playoffs should be reseeded. The idea that a, and I don't know, maybe a, an 11 and 5, a 12 and 4 Seattle team has to go to a 500 Washington team. Uh, I, I seem to be the only one upset by that to me once, you know, because they say, well, you know, you win the division, you should deserve a whole game home game. No, if you win the division at 500, you got your reward. You got into the playoffs where, in any other scenario you wouldn't be in. So, uh, but I, I don't know, there's not a lot of other people pounding the table that, but to me, this is the America it's a, mer- a meritocracy, right? Re reshuffle it. And if you're eight and eight, great. You got in an eight and eight, but you go to the bottom of the list and now you're the seventh seed and you got to go to number two and, and do that. But uh, I, I don't know that, that maybe that's just me. So uh, yeah, but that's just the fate of it. Washington. It's interesting.
1: That's one game apart and all of a sudden the different draft status. Trust me, the one person you're speaking to, if you could see just off camera, there's a fish-shaped hole in this table here where I have pounded the table for reseeding the playoffs. mean, Plus, it would keep more more
5: teams in it at the end of the season mm -hmm. because if you could lose a seeding, you know, now if you win the division, okay, Washington, if they got the division, what do we need to play for? But if you know you're going to get reseeded, you know, that 17th week where there's a lot of games that really don't count, you would increase the number of games that really mattered.
1: Uh, and finally, I just want to ask you about a game this coming weekend. We mentioned the Saints briefly and no one expected really what was going to happen with the Eagles. We thought Saints-Chiefs was going to be the two number one seeds going head to head. How do New Orleans react to what happened this weekend considering they've got arguably the That's best it. team in football in the building? They'll
5: react well. It's going to be interesting for me to match up. Of course, this is a, still a Drew Brees-less New Orleans team. So people are saying, OK, this is a prelude to the Super Bowl. Well, we'll have to wait and see, because Drew will be back by then, and that changes the price of poker. What interests me about this game, you're talking about the number one defense in the league against Kansas City, all but Kansas City, who's been brilliant. And Taysom Hill, a running quarterback, has given KC problems. An athletic quarterback has given KC problems. So his ability to throw and run the ball will present a different challenge for KC, and their ability to maybe hold on to the ball by converting more third downs, keeping it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, this is going to be an interesting game. Now, the still, it's still Patrick Mahomes and it's still Tyreek Hill. And I, I don't think they're going to make the mistake that Tampa made and some others are going, no, you don't have anybody that can go one-on-one with Tyreek Hill, okay? So I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Tyreek Hill running down the middle of the field behind the free safety or one-on-one with somebody they'll be better than that. And still, it's Kansas City. So this, this is going to be a great game. Clearly the best game on the docket this uh, this weekend.
1: Uh, maybe for the rest of the season. Uh, coach Billick, always an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We'll speak again soon. Sounds good. Sounds good. Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick joining us in association with X-Tech Pads. And prior to that, Alex Mack, and you heard Ollie check out all the cool stuff he's doing away from football as he's starting, you can feel, to sow those seeds whether it's doing a cooking show or uh, you know it's charity work or whatever else uh, it's it's worth going and checking him out he's if
3: he's not on the bake-off next year something's wrong
1: yeah. <laughs> I'd be here I'd be here for that I really would um, just to finish off then we're going to pick out a couple of games that we like from this upcoming week it is the first week that we get Saturday Night Football I feel like that's very specifically important for Simon Clancy because he needs to fill that college football hole with
3: something. It's the SEC and ACC championship games this weekend. It's Clemson against Notre Dame with Alabama-Florida. How and are they, they not, being allowed uh, to have Saturday night football then? I'm not going anywhere, buddy. That's All madness. Evening, it's college football madness.
2: That's
1: bizarre. So you're picking
3: those two
2: games, right, Simon?
3: <laughs> to, yeah. To I'm,
2: preview.
3: <laughs> I'm picking those two games. far more important than anything that's happening in the NFL. <laughs> in the crazy world of college football, It's it's championship weekend, so that's the exciting lineup for me.
1: To be fair, Florida against Alabama is probably going to be more watchable than Packers Panthers anyway with the way that Carolina have fallen off. I
3: mean Clemson and Notre Dame is the game of the weekend, I mean that, you know. And that's on at that, the
1: same time as Bills Broncos which could be absolute dross. So
3: also I think you'll be able to watch that on Sky because they've shown almost all of Notre Dame's games on Sky this season. So I suspect the ACC the ACC championship will be on on sky at so it's a four nine o'clock uk time Ah, oh, uh, that would be great which would be great so and obviously trevor lawrence didn't play in the first game when notre dame won in double overtime so uh the return of lawrence and if clemson lose they probably fall out of the uh probably fall out of the playoff contention which would be very interesting but i, I think clemson will win and win handily frankly and alabama will kill florida
1: so, looking at the NFL schedule, that's all we're here to do. <laughs> I <don't care>. uh, <laughs> to be fair, it's a weekend where they flexed the Cowboys out of Sunday Night Football in place of the Cleveland Browns. Is as astonishing as anything I've seen in uh, recent history. But the only game that really screams out to me is Chiefs at Saints. The Saints' defense, which had looked so good up until they met Jalen Hurts, going up against Patrick Mahomes and that. Offence full of weapons, both figuratively and literally, is potential for game of the season, let alone game of the week, Ollie Just had
2: the game of the season. But I, I, I get what you're saying there. Um Drew Brees may be back. We're not sure what happens to Taysom Hill then. We, we, we expect a lot more from Taysom Hill after... Do we now? The, I think, after after, well, after I, Sunday? I think I do. I think I do. I, I expect more on the ground. I expect uh, Sean Payton to use it more on the ground. For me... I think there are a couple of... If I wasn't so anti-New England Patriots because of everything over the last 15 years, but the game against the Dolphins is a, is a big game. I think the Seahawks-Washington game, after what Washington did to your team, your, the 49ers that uh, you're currently sporting that, uh, that hoodie, but just the, the chance to see Chase Young again, uh, go up against not the best offensive line in the league and also how is Russ going to maneuver around such a dangerous uh, player in young it's he's incredible to watch it's like watching derrick henry on defense it's amazing um, when
1: he was running back that that fumble return touchdown it, honestly, he looked like an oversized running back or a tight end. Like he doesn't look like a guy playing on defense when he's running with the ball in his hand.
2: I just want to. I'm I'm waiting to see him come in as a fullback or something on offense. You sometimes see it. Uh, so that's actually other than watching Aaron Rodgers deal again. But the the Seahawks is always a great to watch. Russell Wilson and Washington, who have made a, a bit of a resurgence. So yeah, I'm I'm all in on the Seahawks Washington game.
3: Yeah, I think the, the game, NFC East games are really interesting um, because obviously the, the division is so up in the air. You just touched on, um, you just touched on Washington. There, the Giants against the Browns on Monday night is is really interesting. You know, two teams obviously vying for the playoffs, but with with very different records. And then the Eagles, Cardinals. You know, all of a sudden the Eagles, having looked out of it, now are they back in it? You know, and the Cardinals are, are such a. Uninspiring team. I think they, they controlled the clock for 39 minutes. You talk about the air raid offense, they controlled the clock for 39 minutes and ran the ball 56% of the time. You know, the Cliff Kingsbury magic is, has been flushed down Lamar Jackson's toilet um, <laughs> like a plop, dump, log, crap. Well done, Well done, mate. And then from a personal point, I, I do think New England, you know, Bill Belichick trying to scheme against a rookie quarterback against Miami in a really important game, A, for draft position, B, if the Patriots lose, that will knock them completely out of the playoff race, which is you know, pretty much unheard of in, uh, in a generation. We'll obviously keep Miami alive uh, in the playoffs. So I just think that's a really interesting matchup as well. So some good games, not some great games, but obviously all, all roads lead to, to Sunday night and the um, Chiefs against the Saints.
1: Keep checking out what's going on on our social media at UK Gridiron, on Instagram at Gridiron as well. Right now, they're doing um, a, a daily competition over Christmas. Are they doing it as the 12 days of Christmas? That would probably make sense, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If Harry hasn't figured that out, then uh, maybe he'll stop being... uh Matt Fine. Sherry's absolute favourite. I favorite. think
2: it's the nine days of Christmas.
1: <laughs> but they are giving away every day a day. Uh, uh, we've got a Christmas jumper was being given away yesterday, a team Christmas jumper. There was a mug and coaster bundle the day before. So yeah, every day there's going to be a Christmas giveaway over this period. So go on and check that out at Gridiron, free to enter, uh, and worth going and checking the, out.
3: The uh, Christmas Eve gift is a Matt Sherry haircut. I think it's you get a haircut in the style of Matt Sherry. I think that's good.
1: I thought you meant by Matt Sherry. <laughs> Terrifying. Very well. Thank you very much, gents. Always good fun. Thank you for listening, rating, reviewing, liking it, subscribing on YouTube, all that good stuff. Uh, this has been The Gridiron Show.
3: Oh, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash audioboom
3: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky?